Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. Let me give you the funeral arrangements for uh, uh, Miss Brother Tommy's sweet mother. Uh, be uh, five to nine Monday night will be visitation at Sean Chapman Funeral Home in Chatsworth, which is really just down the road, the Gap Road. And at 11 o'clock Tuesday morning, I'll be preaching the funeral message at the funeral home also, Sean Chapman. So mark that down, and I know you'll be there. And always our, our church family always stands in the gap and is a blessing. I appreciate you so much. As I said yesterday, I was, I was more encouraged yesterday than I have been in 30, 40 years of pastoring, I think. Just so many people out visiting because it's the lifeline of our church. It's the heartbeat of our church. And rejoice to see all of you here. I'm so glad to hear that uh, Collins is doing better. And, uh, and that was a miracle that the baby was very sick in the hospital right where she needed to be to get help just in time. And I know Daddy's back there rejoicing. And it's just a blessing, all the blessings of life and even the trials of life, Brother Tommy. We know that God's with us. And where would we be without a church family? Amen. Where would we be without a, a each other? Amen. And that's what I love about this church. We're so close and so respectful and so uh, edifying towards each other. It just blesses my heart. Mark chapter 15, I'm going to be very brief. And uh, we'll continue this message tonight, uh, Lord willing. But look at Mark chapter 15. Look at verse 20 of Mark chapter 15, if you would, please. The Bible says in verse 20, let's stand on the word of God. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. And skip on down to verse 24. It says, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon among them what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of life, and thank you, dear God, for the strength to preach this morning. It's been a rough morning for some of us, but God, you've enabled us to be here. And we just thank God for health and strength to be able to preach the word of God. Thank you, God, for the wonderful messages that we heard this week from our brother Jim. Lord, even though he's had uh, severe throat damage, uh, God, he keeps on preaching. And even though he's 71, he keeps on traveling around the world and around the states and even to India several times a year to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. Lord, we thank you for him. Thank you for every missionary that touched our heart and how it stirred our hearts, Lord. And this would all be in vain if they didn't preach the cross and preach the blood and preach, as that beautiful song says, the amazing grace of God. So Lord, thank you for all that you're going to do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach this real brief this morning because I was exhorting home missions for a little while because if we send missionaries overseas and we don't do our part here, we're really hypocrites. And I thank God that we're not, that y'all showed up. I even took a picture for Brother Jim, and I said, this is the real altar call. This is the results of your preaching. This is the results of all those missionaries as these folks come out on Saturday morning, give up their schedule, their time, their, their cartoons or whatever they do on Saturday morning, and go out and tell somebody how to be saved, and he rejoiced with us. But you know, sometimes, how many of you ladies ever wear a cross? You wear a cross as a piece of jewelry. Raise your hand. Come on. Don't be shy. Okay. Sometimes we take the cross for granted. We have it on our steeple. I, look, I had to go down here and make sure we have it on the front of this table. 
And we have a beautiful cross right there. Don't you love that cross? Amen. But if you're not careful, it'll just become a symbol. By the way, Kenny Cockendall just built a million-dollar building, and he, and he had Brother Donald build a cross just like that to put on his baptistry. I thought that was very nice of him to do that. It's just like that cross, but bigger, because his baptistry is a whole lot bigger. And, uh, folks, we look at the cross. We wear it. I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a cross. Ladies, y'all were just saying, oh, no, he's going to preach against that, praise God. We're going to turn church to God. It's going to be against the cross where, uh, no, I'm not that far gone. But I want you to see this, folks, is that sometimes it can become so familiar, we take it for granted. Sometimes we can be desynthesized by the familiarity of something. It's a piece of jewelry. It's an icon designed for worship. And I'm going to tell you something. Some Catholics uh, use it as a ward against demons, and they hang that cross over their bedpost. Good gracious alive. I've never heard that, but I guess they do it. Um, you go up to St. Joseph Hospital. Good hospital for the heart. How many had your heart worked over up there? Okay, good. Praise God. Rock, you have? Good. I didn't know that. Praise God. We'll have to share that sometime. But uh, uh, you've been up to St. Joseph, and they worked on your heart. That's a Catholic hospital, by the way. But I don't care what it is. Seventh-day Adventist, Catholic. It can be um, Islamic for all I care. Just get me well. Amen. Then I'll I'll pray for you. But uh, they have crosses everywhere. And, and what's so bad about those crosses is that Jesus is still on the cross. It's a statue of Jesus. Folks, don't ever wear a cross with Jesus on it, amen, because he's not there. Up from the grave he arose. That's why we have mission revival. That's why we push and push and beg and beg to get people to take the gospel to the lost and dying world. Old brother uh, Larry, old brother Larry, young brother Larry Reimer back there came up to me and said, I want to tell you something. I said, oh, Lord, what is it? I thought the PA system blew up in the bus too, and I can't take no more bad news. He said, I want to tell you one thing. I said, what is it, brother Larry? He said, I ain't never missed a missions conference yet, not one service. I said, I'd brag on that too, praise God, amen. And I mean, he's excited about not missing all these years. And he's been at our church 57 years probably. But anyway, folks, listen, the cross is, 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 a, is not supernatural. It's the one that bled and died on that cross. But I believe the folks that the cross can be offensive to some people, amen, I believe, it, I believe the cross, preaching of the cross divides the whole world into two folks, lost or saved. Amen? I mean, in or out, saint or ain't. You either saved or you're not saved, and the cross is the dividing line. Have you believed in the Lamb of God? Have you trusted in the blood of Jesus? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Folks, the cross is a symbol of that. But it can be offensive. It can be a stumbling block. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, please. I love these verses. The Bible said, and this is hope for me and my witnessing and my preaching. And I thank God for uh, the Lord uses little things to confound big things and simple things to confound wise people. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, it says this, We preach Christ crucified unto the Jew a stumbling block. Now, folks, the word stumbling block is an interesting word. It comes from a Greek word, skalion, which means a trap or a snare. Uh, it, it caused them to fall. And, folks, it, it, that's where we get our English word scandal. To the Jews, the cross was a scandal. 
The, the, to the Jews, the cross was something offensive. It was a stumbling block. And then some, to some people, the cross is foolishness. Look at the last half of that verse. And it says, it says uh, in verse 23, and to the Jews, a stumbling block, but to the Greeks, foolishness. Now, folks, listen, a lot of people try to figure God out. You can stop tracing him, start trusting him, say amen. You can't ever figure God out. And I can't figure out why all these things happen, Brother Darrell. I can't understand sickness. I can't understand death. I can't understand all that. But you know something? I'm not above the clouds where I can see the big picture. God has a purpose. But I want to tell you something, folks. To the world, the cross is foolishness. And uh, the Greek word for that is moriah, and which means a, a moron. Uh, the sophisticated Greeks, wise in their own eyes, thought it was moronic foolishness. That you was a moron if you uh, trusted and believed in the death, burial, and resurrection or the cross. But I want you to see verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 1. It says this, But unto them which are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Folks, I'll tell you, Paul just put them in their place and said, I want to tell you this, friend, it's the power of God. I'll tell you what, it's the power of God. Because what was accomplished on the cross of Calvary destroyed Satan. Amen? And folks, I want to tell you something, it broke the grip of sin. Say amen right there. And folks, wisdom, here's wisdom above us. Because of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, uh, God used that tool that neither man nor devil could have foreseen uh, the, the beautiful salvation of whosoever will call upon him. Amen? That's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. Somebody had to die, and Jesus took your place. And I want to tell you something. If the demons and devils of hell would have knew the power of the cross, uh, I guarantee you he would have tried to stop him, and he did, but he would have really tried to stop the Jews from crucifying him. Look at 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you still there? Verse 8, it says, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? What's that saying? That's saying, friend, listen, it's not a weak message. It's not a foolish message. It's a message filled with awesome power and awesome wisdom that God could take an old sinner like me and Jesus could take my place, my debt, my hell, take my place at Calvary. That's wisdom of God, but that's the power of God. Amen? And so don't ever be uh, apologizing for loving the cross because the cross is like an execution chair. Uh, you could be ladies wearing a little uh, electric chair around your neck if you want to because it's the same thing. But folks, it's who died in your place and that he rose three days later. And thank, thank God his blood is precious, and his blood is pure. And folks, the message of the cross should be precious to you. Amen? Let me just give you four things. I'll give you the outline preaching tonight since I took so long on, uh, evangeli uh, on evangelism locally. Number one, the, the, it, the cross is a message of torment. Look at verse 20. Of, let's go back to Mark chapter 15 real quick. Mark chapter 15. I want you to look at verse 20. Mark chapter 15, the Bible says this, And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put it upon the clothes on him, uh, his own clothes upon him, and led him out to crucify him. And they crucified him. I want you to see that word crucified uh, in verse 20. Look down in verse 24. And when they had crucified him, they departed his uh, garments, casting lots upon them that every man should take. Look at verse 25. 
And it was the third hour when they crucified him. They crucified him. The word means to nail one to a stake. That's what the word crucified literally means. Uh, the death Jesus died was horrible. It was painful. Uh, we get our English word excruciating from two words in the Latin. Ex means out of and cruciare means cross. Uh, the death on the cross was the most painful, uh, agonizing death that anybody. It was excruciating death. It was the worst pain. I want you to do this. I want you to imagine the worst pain you've ever experienced in your life. Most of us thinking back, well, what was that? Maybe it was in a wreck. Maybe it was some. Maybe it was childbearing for some of you ladies. Is that you know? Uh, I remember one time I, uh, Connie was having the twins naturally and. And I think I whispered, I said, is it that bad? And I'm going to tell you something, friend. I thought that little lady was going to get off that table and whoop me while she was delivering too, you know. And I didn't really mean to say that. I was, I was, you know, I was, try, I was trying to say, oh, I'm sorry it's that bad. But it came out the wrong way, you know, or she misunderstood it. And, uh, and uh, we really had a good time in that room, amen. Donathan, praise God. I mean, it was the wrong thing to say at the wrong time, amen. But you, you know childbearing's rough. Amen? And you men, you don't know. You can't even take a kidney stone. You go into the emergency room when you have a kidney stone. How would you like to uh, deliver 14 and a half pounds of twins naturally? My wife did that. She deserves a purple heart. Amen? I fainted when, it, when I found out the twins were... I really did. I mean, I was at the, I was at the poor folks, and, I, and they just did the ultrasound, and I passed out in my gizzards. And I had to be carried out of the restaurant. I, I'm proud of that, praise God. Amen. Had ketchup on my forehead. I said, you pay the bill. That was embarrassing. I really believe I got choked on one of those gizzards. I love gizzards. I hate liver, but I love gizzards. I love them. I, but my wife said it was the thought of having twins that I passed out of that. I don't know. But that's excruciating pain. It's excruciating pain to, to hit your uh, thumb uh, when, you're when you're trying to nail something. Amen. I've done that before. It's excruciating pain to break a bone. I've had two or three bones broke while I was playing sports. I wish I'd have never played. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible describes the pain and agony of the Lord much more than physical. It was emotional, but it was spiritual. He took your sin debt. He took your agony. He took your hell. And he bore it gladly because he loved you. There's only one explanation of why Jesus did all that. Why the cross? It's a demonstration and testimony of the love of God for all people. Amen. The cross, wear it proudly, ladies. And men, I don't think you ought to wear jewelry, just to be honest with you. Makes you look gay. No, not really. But, uh, uh, you, know, I th you know, you wear a tie, praise God. Um, I used to not wear pink until... Uh, Daryl changed that meaning to me, to me, amen? Because you've got to be tough. It reminds you of toughness, so I wore this tie proudly. But I want to say this. I just want to say this, friend. Jesus endured much more than you'll ever imagine for you, for you. He was arrested and tried. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 65. Mark 14, 65. The Bible says, and some began to spit on him and cover his face, buffet him, and said to him, "Prophesy!" And the servants did, uh, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hand. 
and prophesied who hit you. He could have called one angel, wiped out that puny crowd in a second. He didn't need to call an angel. He just said his name and six, over 600 men fell on their backside. Amen? He said, I am, and they all fell down. But he took it for you. He took your place. Mark chapter 15, verse 15, the Bible says this. It says, so Pilate, willing to, cont uh, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus, and he scourged him to be crucified. He thought, man, I'm, I, I don't, my wife even told me not to crucify him. And so he scourged him and beat him to a pulp. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, that he was astonished, that he was marred beyond recognition of a man. They beat him to a pulp. They shredded his back with 351 furls of metal and glass and bones and a cat of nine tails. 39 lashes times nine. Most people didn't survive the whipping post or the scourge, but he survived it because he was all man and he was all God. And he knew he had to go to the cross, so he wasn't going to let them kill him while they scourged him. And then the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 37 through 35, that not only they scourged him, but they beat him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they got that rod, that sceptre, that mocking, that, that uh, excruciating uh, emotional rejection of his own people and the heathens all around, and they crowned him as king. And they took that sceptre, and they beat him over the head and drove those four-and-a-half-inch thorns into his skull and they just plucked his beard out and spit on his face and the blood dripped down his face mingled with spit and he did that for you they spit on him Matthew 26 67 his beard was plucked out Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6 they crowned him with the thorns Mark chapter 15 16 and then he carried the cross 110-pound crossbar, 650 yards long down the Villa Dolorosa, the way of suffering, the road to Calvary. Now I just want to close with this first point. We'll preach some more tonight on it, and I hope you'll come back. I can't wait to hear the orchestra, and I can't wait to hear the pianist and organist play, but I can't wait to get a glimpse of Calvary while we take the Lord's Supper. Why would he do this? Well, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God commended his love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, I was going to quote it to you, and I just lost it in my brain, excuse me. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says this. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He was bringing us to God. He's our mediator. He's our reconciler. He's our substitute. He's our Savior. I believe that the cross is a symbol of God's love for us. I believe what was accomplished at the cross of Calvary is a doorway to life. 
I was knocking on doors yesterday, and I would not take my Saturday getting in and out of a Buick that's too low down uh, for an old man. And I, and I had to help Brother Harold out of the back seat several times. And our designated driver did such a good job. He's taking notes and being the secretary. I thought, man, this is just this is just fun. I'm 68 years old. I'm running out of breath trying to get up to these people's doors. And I said, why would I do this? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is their only answer. He's the only hope for that Muslim that lives about 100 yards from our front door. And God loves her just as much as he loves me. And that whole doc, that, fam, that doctor and all the kids, so nice, so rich, but so kind that they would not reject us from knocking on their door. I tell you, the only hope that fella has down there on that little Willard dead-end road down there, the only hope he has is he gets out of that cult, man-made works, and he finds a real church, a church that preaches Christ, the blood, the death, the burial, the resurrection. It's a doorway to life. I'll close with this verse, Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14. I believe this ought to be our theme verse when we're thinking about the cross. The Bible says, but God forbid that I'd glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Hey, I'm glad I don't live for this world. Say so amen. Now, I'm going to get a little ugly here, but any of y'all was sneaking watching that Braves game on Wednesday night while you was in church, you jinxed them. It's your fault. I guarantee you it is. Shouldn't think about ball while you're in the house of God. Say amen. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. God didn't lose yesterday to South Carolina. A team did. An instant, uh, you know, hey, a, a guy that's human. I think he had the flu and was blind in one eye, but I just think, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we take this world way too serious for satisfaction, contentment, and joy. We're part of the redeemed. So I ain't glorying in no game or no team or no preacher or no cult or no church or no people. I'm glorying in the cross. I'm glorying in Jesus. I want to glorify Him. And I want to glorify him because I passed from death unto life because of the cross. I want to glorify this. His finished work was enough and I don't have to do my little works. I don't have to climb no ladder. I don't have to be a good Baptist to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven because Jesus paid it all and his payment was enough. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. God, we love you. We thank you, dear God, for the privilege to sing about you and sing songs like the old rugged cross, at the cross, power in the blood. It's all because of that, Lord, that we can rejoice in glory in the eternal value 
of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Lord, Miss Jennifer's up in heaven having the time of her life in perfect body, perfect health because of the cross. Miss Grigsby's up in heaven, no more suffering, no more pain, no more cancer, no more battles that she had all her life. She's, she's won the victory. She's resting. She's relieved. She's happy. She's rejoicing. Not because she joined some church. Not because she went through some baptistry water. One day she put her faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for heaven. And thank you for the reality that life began at Calvary for us. Calvary is our statue of liberty. That we've been set free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of Satan. And that we're redeemed, purchased off the slave block of sin and selfishness and vainglory and worldliness to live for your glory because of the Lamb of God on the cross. God, may we never be ashamed of that old cross. May we proclaim to a lost and dying world that the Lamb of God dying on that cross is enough. Paid in full. It is finished. You weren't finished. The payment was finished. When you cried out, it is finished. Lord, thank you for salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you a very serious question. It's a life changing question I mean know for, for a fact that if you died today that you'd go to, the, go to heaven instead of hell because of the finished work of the Lamb of God on the cross would you slip your hand up gratefully as a testimony I mean say amen to that you know you're saved several could not raise your hand and if I wasn't sure I would not leave here with all the distracted drivers up and down Dugget Road that we dodged yesterday and say, I think I can make it another week, another day. No, you might not make it another week or another day. So you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to love you enough to warn you. I'm trying to love you enough to warn you that life is brief at the longest. and You need to be saved. And you say, Preacher, I'm not absolutely 100% sure that I'm saved, but I want you to pray for me that I would know and that I would get saved. I want to go to heaven and not hell. And I want to live my life for his glory, not my own glory. That's your prayer. You want to be saved. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? If you're not sure you're saved, don't let pride hold you back. God bless you. Thank you for listening so well. Somebody else, just slip your hand up. One's raised their hand. How about you? And Christian, you ought to be praying. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand. I'm not. If I wasn't absolutely 100% sure, I wouldn't leave here without making sure. You know what's so wonderful? It's paid. Salvation's paid for. It's finished. And he receded it when he came up out of that grave. And then he appeared to over 500 people and he ascended to heaven. And he said, I'm coming back. Somebody else needs to come pray for these that raise their hand that they want to be saved. I'd hate to think that I'd rush out of here on a Sunday morning when two people raised their hand to be saved and I didn't pray for them. 
Father, thank you for these that's raised their hand. I pray to God they'd come and let us show them the Bible, how to be saved. We're a lady, we'll have a lady take the Bible in this front row. Show them how to be saved. They're a man, we'll have a man take the Bible. But God, I promise you, we'll take the Bible and show them from the Word of God how they can know for sure. Well, that's why we're sending missionaries all around the world to places where they jeopardize their life, live in harm's way and in fear. Their, for their children being kidnapped or molested or brutally jailed or killed because they're in a place that's violent towards the cross, antagonistic towards the cross. Uh, it, it must be the most important message in the world to jeopardize one's life for. And I believe it is. So Lord, help these that's raised their hand to be saved to come Help these that need to surrender more of their life to carry the cross to come and close this morning out in a good word of prayer. Well, thank you. In Jesus' name.